One. The time has come to draw our focus on God. Let's start our service with a song this morning. A familiar favorite. We're going to sing Blessed Be Your Name. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. And bless. Blessed be your name, when the sun is shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Give and take away, give and take away, and my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name, cause you give and take away, give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, so blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity we've had here today to, to
to gather together in this place, to have an incredible Sunday school class already, to, to know that you're in this house going to lead us in worship and, and direct our hearts and our minds this day, God. We give you praise and glory for that. And I ask, Lord, that as we have gathered in this place, if there is someone here that does not know you, for whatever the reason may be, maybe they've been in church their whole life, doesn't matter. May you either use these guys behind me in song, maybe a handshake, a hug, the sermon, something. May you speak to them in such a way that they will get their hearts straight with you before it's too late. And Father, I do pray that you will open the windows and just pour out your blessings upon us. All those who do know you, may we leave this place today knowing that we've stood in the presence of the one who loves us enough to quicken our spirits and make us into what we are to be. Father, may your Holy Spirit abound in this place. May you be able to sit back at the throne of God and look down and say, those are my people in Sutherland Springs worshiping in my name. God, may it bring a a sweet, sweet smell to your nostrils, a, a sweet joy to your heart, and may we glorify you in all that we say and do, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Guys, it is good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. And I look forward for what God's going to do in our house today. So walk around a second, give somebody a hug, shake their hand, and tell them, look out for what God's going to do today. My God can never fail. He's been proved time and again. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. never early, never late. Takes courage, it takes faith. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. He saves, forgives, and heals. Takes back what the devil steals. My debt's been paid in full. Every day does miracles. I got dreams turning into plans Too big for human hands Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need He's real He's real Face a lot stronger than what you feel He's real He's real I'm believing for a miracle my God can never fail He's been proved time and again Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need He's never early, He's never late Takes courage, it takes faith Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need he saves, forgives, and heals Takes back what the devil steals My debt's been paid in full Every day he does miracles Got dreams turning into plans Too big for human hands Trust him and see he's got all the power you need He's real, he's real Face a lot stronger than what you feel He's real, he's real I'm believing for a miracle My God can never fail He's been proved time and again 
trust him and see he's got all the power you need. He's never early, he's never late. Takes courage, it takes faith. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. He saves, forgives, and heals. Takes back what the devil steals. My debt's been paid in full. Every day he does miracles. Got dreams turning into plans. Too big for human hands. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. Yeah, give God the glory this morning. Oh. I almost want to use that. My knee hurts so bad. All right, guys, just a, a couple of announcements this morning, one of which uh, we will be, as I said the last few weeks, there's a lot of camps. We're in that time of the year where all these camps are coming up. Oh, sorry. I was asked to turn the fans on. It's, it's 69 in here, though. <laughs> oh, at least at the thermostats. But, but anyway, the, um, what was I going to say? Oh, we have a lot of people heading out to the RA camp this afternoon, and the rest of us will be heading out tomorrow. So, this week, if you can, be thinking about praying for the, the camps and, and leaders and the kids. And RA, this is RA and GA. I should make sure to throw that out there. It's both boys and girls, different halves of the camp. But, but if you think about us this week, maybe one of the kids' faces cross your mind. I, I, I would submit to you that it didn't just cross your mind just to be there. It crossed your mind because God was saying, hey, lift them up in, excuse me, in prayer. It might have been a, a moment that they were trying to make a decision. You may say, well, I, I'm pretty sure that child knows the Lord. Why should I lift them up in prayer? Maybe they're going into the mission field. Maybe they're dealing with something at camp. If, if a leader or a child or someone, uh, one of the, somebody crosses your mind that's going to be at camp, I want to encourage you to lift them up in prayer right then. Amen? Amen. Miss Peggy, will you please quit beating that child? <laughs> Anybody knows Miss Peggy's an angel. She would never do that. Amen. Uh, the only other thing I would like to announce this morning, so be in prayer for our GA camps, but the other thing I would announce this morning is that if you did not already know, uh, Brother Roy White did pass away this week. He, he is, his services are going to be today here at 2 p.m., so everyone is invited to come and pay your respects for the memorial service, the celebration. I can say that the, being with Lou and the family, that uh, they are doing very well. Granted, there is some sadness at the loss, but they also know the Lord. And by, by knowing the Lord and knowing He's in control, knowing that He's in charge, that there's also been a joy in the home. There's been jokes and and laughs, and, and tears, but they're doing very well. But I, I would pray that if they cross your mind, continue to lift them up in prayer. And again, 2 o'clock today is the memorial service, if you'd like to be a part of that today as well. I think that's enough announcements right now. I'm going. Oh, no, I do have one more. Uh, as of last week, Brother Bob texted me, and 
We have met the magic number. If you'd like to give it a little more in, over and above to make sure. But we meet, met the magic number for our new screens and everything we're going to be putting in. So praise the Lord. Amen. So, so we will be getting those right now, like I said, with camps and everything. Everybody's bowed, bowed up a little bit. But soon, we should be getting our new screens and everything going. Praise God. All right. Brother Corey's got our scripture reading this morning. They put you a chair here, brother. (laughs) Father God, I do lift up my brother to you and thank you for his willingness to come and open and share with us what you've laid on his heart. And God, I pray that we not hear Corey, but hear you through him. Bless bless his, his willingness, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. If you guys remember last week during our uh, camp testimony, I had mentioned how our boys the first night was kind of thrown into darkness the first night of camp with the other group we were with. And after some prayer and looking for a scripture, I found one I liked. It also reminded me of a uh, dream I had many years ago as a teenager. The scripture comes out of John 1, 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Um, now, for you guys who were not here last week, uh, the first night of camp that we had, the other camp we were bunking with was, let's just say, some pretty crude boys. And I took one of our boys to step out of the darkness and say something to kind of put, shine a light on our uh, our cabin and kind of change it. They remind me of a um, dream I had many years ago as a teenager, probably one of the last dreams I remember having. A uh, very simple dream. Uh, it was just a picture of like a br- blueprint for a building. And in one corner was this little white dot. And then all of a sudden, all these black dots just started appearing on the blueprint. And it was a blueprint of my school. And as the dots got larger and larger and more and more, you could see the little white dot kind of dimming some. And then in my dream, I remember falling to my knees and uh, praying to God for guidance and just giving it all to him. And all of a sudden, you saw the light started getting brighter and brighter. And then all of some of the the black spots started turning white and it started you know and it started turning all white um it's an awesome feeling just to uh see how scared the darkness is when they see the awesomeness of the god who lives within us so i just want to point that out when it does seem kind of helpless just fall to your knees and give it all to him and he will guide you let's pray dear great heavenly father lord i just come to you this morning lord and just thank you for everything you've given me in my life heavenly father lord i ask that you be with us when the darkness seems to overcome us, Heavenly Father, we just ask that you shine even brighter through us, Heavenly Father, so we may pierce our darkness and we may reach the ones that we think might not be reachable. We ask this in your gracious heavenly name. Amen. Oh, um, on the announcements, we forgot to announce um, Sister Deanne turning 60, right? Happy birthday! He miscalculated? (laughs) Bless the Lord. We're going to lift the Lord up in praise together. Yeah. Um, we're going to lift the Lord up in praise, singing, leaning on the everlasting arms. Three, four. 
What a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arm What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arm Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all along Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arm Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim's way Leaning on the everlasting arm Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day Leaning on the everlasting arm Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all along Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arm. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arm. Safe and secure from all along Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm Just keep leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all along Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm sing Beauty of the Cross. the cross I find the beauty of your matchless grace and at the cross I see a king who died to take my place it's the moment that you've made me clean and pardon my soul amazing grace that I would be allowed into your throne not by my own will, but solely by your will alone. I'm unworthy of this love you've shown to me. I see my desperate need, the beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace has found me just as I am. 
not by my own works that I may boast or I may come. Simply through your Son, the sinless and exalted one. Only through the cross am I made clean to draw near to you. Save so that you would receive all glory to your name. An everlasting God from age to age, you never change. True love story remains for all eternity. That all the world would see the beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace is found just as I am. My sinful soul could only be redeemed by the blood of sinless King. So you came to the world that you had made, conquered sin on a cross. And you rose from the grave. The beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Beauty of the cross is that I'm finally free and letting go. Beauty of the cross is that your grace has found me just as I am. The beauty cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul beauty of the cross is that i'm finally free and letting go beauty of the cross is that your grace has found me just as i am an eyeball in my eye. Oh, there's something else in there, too. It's a log. There's, there's probably some sort of, you know, lesson and, and you know, verse and stuff behind it. But anyway, we're going to sing a new song this morning. Uh, at least it's new to us. You've probably heard it on the radio, or at least I hope that you have. Um, this one's by Matt Marr. It's Because He Lives, Amen.
Bibles this morning, turn to the book of John. John chapter 18. In John chapter 18, and you may know this as the the Passion or the Easter service, and you may be saying, well, we're a long ways from Easter. Isn't it great? I, I was thinking about this this morning, uh, and, and when we come to church on Sunday mornings, I have a bluegrass gospel channel that I listen to, and Right off the bat, uh, getting in the car, Annabelle said, oh, you forgot your bluegrass music because uh, we were trying to get food and plants and all that stuff. And my head was just kind of like, she said, can we listen to the radio? And I was like, no, no radio this morning. She said, but you forgot bluegrass music. Oh, yeah, we can listen to that. And, and I, I turned on the gospel and, the, and every song, it was kind of funny that every song that we listened to 
came back to the, what the Bible said about that crucifixion day, almost like every song was an Easter, some kind of Easter type a song this morning. I thought, isn't it great? It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. We should be celebrating the fact that we have salvation every day. But also in celebrating that salvation, we should remember what it costs for that salvation. And that cost, I think, is sometimes what we tend to forget. But that's what I want us to look at that, this, this moment in time, because there's something within that period, within that, that passion play, if you will, within those final hours of Christ's life that I think we can draw a correlation to, an analogy to, in today's time. If you look at the world today, and you look at the things that's going on in the world today, we just finished our, our, one of our conventions here politically in this country. When you look at the governments over the world, when you look at all the terrorism, just this week there was a, a man with a, a, the, an axe and a knife that got on a train. There was a, a, a huge shooting. There was the trucking accident the week before last. All these different acts of terrorism, all the different issues that's going on in our governments, all the social terrorism right here in this country, society as a whole, when you open your eyes and look around you today and look at all the things that's going on, I think one word could sum it up very well, and that word is chaos. There is an incredible amount of chaos going on in the world. Now, what is the definition of chaos? Is When I looked up, it's complete disorder and confusion. Whether you're looking at the political system in this country or another country, whether you're looking at the terrorism that's going on all around the world, whether you're looking at the social aspects, there is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of disorder going on around us. Synonyms for, 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 for chaos, I guess you could say, would be disorganization, pandemonium, turmoil, all these commotion, disruption, mess, whatever words you want to put there, lawlessness, that is another form of chaos. And you know what it says in 1 John chapter 3? It says that everyone who sins breaks the law. Now, if everyone who sins breaks the law, that means that's lawlessness. Well, who is the father of sin? Satan. So who is the father of lawlessness? Satan. Therefore, by, by, in that argument, who is the father of chaos? Satan. When we look around us today and we see chaos going on in the world all around us, Rather than trying to point a finger and blame each other and blame this person or blame that person, we need to acknowledge and recognize that Satan's getting into the mix and it is he who is stirring up all this stuff. The enemy delights, absolutely delights, in bringing chaos and confusion into our lives, guys. And when we allow him to to infiltrate to the point that we are beaten down, that means we've allowed him to win. When we allow the chaos to rule our lives, rather than making a stand against it, we're allowing the the, the ruler of chaos, the creator of chaos, if you will, not creator, but the, the ruler of that chaos is Satan. We're allowing him to get that upper hand. God does things decently and in order. If you look at the way the universe is set out, you look at physiologically the bodies, the animals, you look at things, it has an order to it. It has structure to it. That is the things of God. It is orderly. It is clean. it It is sharp. When we look at chaos, that's not God. When we allow chaos, when we look at the things around us, rather than blaming God, we should stop and say, where is this coming from? And unfortunately, I would say the chaotic mess that takes place in our lives quite often is brought about by our own lawlessness and our own recklessness. We bring it on ourselves. 
Yes, it is Satan who throws out the temptation. Sin is brought about by the temptations of Satan. But when we bring in that lawlessness, when we bring in that recklessness, it is uh, when we see that chaos in our own lives, it is because rather than following this oftentimes, we've decided to follow the chaos. We decided rather than to read this, we'll watch CNN. Rather than to read this and learn from the apostles, well, I'll go to the newest professor or the new doctoral student, or I'll go to this or I'll go to that. Folks, chaos comes from the enemy. If we want structure, if we want order, if we want orderliness in our lives and not continually be disrupted and torn apart in our psyche by the chaos, we need to get back to this. Getting back to this doesn't mean walking around in religiosity. In John's account here in, in John chapter 18, in the, in the arrest and trial of Christ, I think we can see chaos. We're going to see an incredible amount of chaos. I think most of us in here remember the, the Passion Week. We remember all that transpired. There was chaos everywhere, everywhere. And, and, and in that time of the world, all that sin was coming to abound. And Jesus atoned for it all right then. But what I would point out to you this morning, that as chaotic as it was then, as chaotic as it was when Christ was brought down that road and brought to Pilate, as chaotic as all the circumstances were then, the chaos still has such a prominent place today. So many times I think we fall into this trap. Well, it's just so bad now. It was bad then too. The difference is we are getting caught up in the chaos like some of them got caught up in the chaos. And we have to make a decision whose side we're going to be on. And when we look at the chaos of that day, which is what we're about to do, Jesus accounted for it all. But I want to point out some things that I think that we might see is happening even today. And we're allowing it to happen because we choose not to learn from history. Oh, history, it's in the past. I don't need to look. If we would stop and look at the things that's happened before, maybe we won't continually repeat the same mistakes. But as long as we leave it in the book and say, oh, yeah, it's in there somewhere and not familiarize ourselves with it, we're destined to repeat the same mistakes. We're destined to fall into the same traps. Satan doesn't have a new arsenal. He just has, he has people that choose not to listen to what God has to say. And he redirects them in pathways that lead to chaos. So look at the story again. I know it's familiar, but praise God, isn't it great that the, the song it says that we should never get tired of telling the old, old story? Let's look at it one more time. In chapter 18, starting in verse 19. No, starting in verse 28, sorry. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. Then Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. So Pilate told them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, signifying what sort of death he was going to die. Excuse me. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origins here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. 
Everyone who is on the truth, excuse me, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and threw a purple robe about him. And they repeatedly came up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him outside to you to let you know I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple police saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate responded, Take him and crucify him yourselves, for I find no grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him, and according to the law he must die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, You're not talking to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given you from above. This is why the one who has handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment, Pilate made every effort to release him, but the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's bench in a place called the Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, the Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was about six in the morning. Then he told the Jews, here is your king. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. So then became of them, he handed him over to be crucified. And that's the story that you and I know. That's, that's what transpired that fateful morning. Now, as I said, I understand this isn't the t- Easter time, but it doesn't change the fact of what happened then. And we can learn a lot of valuable things from that moment in time right there. Because in the midst of chaos, that's when, when bad things happen. In the midst of chaos is when things get twisted around and turned. In the midst of chaos, such as was here in the passage of Scripture we just read, that's when Satan is able to come in and manipulate things and move things around. In the midst of chaos, the first thing I want us to point out was, was that religion becomes very apparent. In, in, in the midst of all the, the chaos, what did it say right off the bat in verse 28? To avoid the, the ceremonial and, 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 and religious uncleanliness, the Jews didn't want to take Jesus into the palace. Now, they knew that they were lying. They knew that they were paying people to give false witness. They knew that everything they were doing was against God's law. They were doing all kinds of unscriptural things, but they were more worried about the religiosity. They were more worried about their traditions. They were more worried about all the, making sure they went through all the same ritualistic things. In the midst of chaos, the church was getting tied up in tradition, rather than God. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover meal. 
So they made sure that their accusations against Jesus was very vague. In other words, the real issue here was the religious elite of the day. The religious people, if you will, were saying he just doesn't fit within our, our perimeters of belief. He doesn't fit in our perimeters of religion. He's saying things that I don't want to listen to. I have my rituals. I have my traditions. I have the way that I feel as it's going to be. And he's rocking my boat. Unfortunately, I am afraid that still happens today. We are walking in a world today in, 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 in a cultural relativism, and that cultural relativism is within our churches as well. It's all about my church. It's about my doctrine. It's about what I think. Rather than going back and understanding, it's not about the religiosity. It's not about how many times a day you pray. It's not how many jobs you've held in a church. It's not even whether or not you stand behind a pulpit or not. It's do you adhere to the word of God and listen to Christ, or do you go by the ways of man? Religiosity is prominent during chaos. Churches are part of it. If Satan can infiltrate a church and come in and get them screaming loud enough and leading enough people astray, you can say, but that's a church. It's got to be right. If it's not based on this, if they're not looking to this, it's wrong. And Satan will use that. Unfortunately, there are churches out there today that says, well, you know, it's okay. If it works for you, that's fine. There's no true, real absolutes. The more things chaotic things become, the more vague the line becomes. The more vague the line becomes, the more we start relying upon our traditions and our ceremonies rather than relying on Christ. We need to step, step back, and it may not be politically correct, it may not even be theological, no, it's theological, but it may not be socially acceptable in churches today, but we need to get back to understanding that what this says is true. And when it is something that you're not quite sure of, understand that it's God who interprets, not me. And we need to keep our hearts and our ears open. If we can cause chaos or get in the midst of chaos, we'll start crying out things. We'll start doing things that's not what's supposed to be. In the midst of the chaos, the religiosity was showing itself in an incredible way. But also, too, in the midst of chaos, it's hard to receive truth. We were talking about it in Sunday school class this morning. There are so many out there today when it comes to the word submission and what it means in a, a marriage relationship because the world has cried out and caused so much chaos that it's hard to receive truth anymore. In this verse here, Pilate, in verse 37, 38, Pilate is speaking with Jesus and he asks him directly, what is truth? Now, the voices of the crowds, the people all around him, were preventing him from hearing it. He's sitting with truth. Jesus is speaking truth, but he's not able to receive it. He's hearing the crowd. He's hearing what all the religious leaders were saying. He was hearing all this stuff that's going on around him, and here truth is sitting right in front of him, but he couldn't hear it. Even though instinctually he knew something was going on. He knew he took Jesus back out there and said, I can't find any fault with this man. But the lies and the chaos was so loud that he couldn't hear. And I'm afraid that today there are many members of the church, many people who truly believe in Christ, but they're getting caught up in the chaos because they're not being able to hear that still small voice. They're allowing the loudness around them. They're allowing the situations. They're allowing the, 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 the financial situations. They're allowing the political situations. They're allowing all this stuff to come around and they're losing focus on what it means to be true. In society today, the lies of the enemy have been sounded so loudly and so repetitively 
that chaos has ensued on every avenue. The truth of God and, and, and His Word is barely audible even in His churches today, I'm afraid. So many churches are afraid and bow down to what they feel as though they can or cannot say legally. Folks, we need to understand it is by the Word of God that I am fed. It is by the Word of God that I am saved. And it's by the Word of God that I must live. And when I choose to step away from that, I'm becoming part of the chaos. But that's what happens. You notice here, in the, in the crucifixion of Christ, Pilate was here in truth, but he couldn't quite grasp it. He had truth standing in front of him, but the crowds around. Because the third thing we can see in the midst of chaos is that crowds become lustful. Crowds become impatient. Pilate offers him Jesus back. He goes out there and he says, look, guys, let me just release this man. I find no fault with him. But what does the crowd do? No, give us Barabbas. Give us this guy who we know is truly guilty of a crime. Pilate said, well, this doesn't make any sense. That's not truth. So he says, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll flog Jesus. I'll make sure he's beaten. And so Pilate has this all done, and he orders this to Jesus, and he brings him back out for the people. They're in this chaotic state. They're yelling and screaming, that's not enough. No, we want more than that. Well, he hasn't done anything. I find no fault with this. No, crucify him. The mayhem had reached such a, a fevered pitch that the crowd wasn't going to be satiated any longer. They wanted more. They want what they demanded. They wanted death. Though the mob was totally wrong in what they were asking for, that's what ends up coming to be. And it's the same thing today, folks. However, the, the, it, the, and big and loud the group may be, no matter how wrong it may be, the more intimidating they are, the louder they are, the more they get appeased and get their way. That's chaos. As the church, we should not allow that. As the church, we should be making a stand. But we see it all around us. We, we, we hear how this is a, a 90% Christian country. I don't believe that number to be true, but even the ones who truly are Christians, if they would be as loud as the chaotic ones would be out there, God's word would still reign. But instead, it's the, the ones who are getting the loudest. It, it, it is the, the Black Lives Matter movement, or it's the LGBT community. Whatever community it may be, it's this spot or this spot that cries the loudest, and so they're the ones that get appeased, even when people come out and say, well, I don't know if that's really quite right. Well, we're going to scream, we're going to yell the loudest. And in the chaos, just like Pilate gave in to them, governments, people, the church gives in to them. It's hard to receive truth when everybody around you is yelling. The more obstinate people are, the more it seems those are the ones that get appeased. That's chaos. That's not godly. And as the church, we should not pay into that. We should not buy into that. We should not be a part of that. It's tough for people to stand for what's right in the midst of chaos. But that's what God's called us to do. This is where I think the church needs to really step in today. The church is allowing the chaos to rule, or at least direct its pathways in many avenues. And it's not chaos that we should be directed by. It is the orderliness of God. It is the Spirit of God. And because of the Spirit of God, we should make a stand on what we know to be right by as per the Word of God. But we get so caught up in being politically correct. We get so caught up in being the, uh, spiritually, or no, we get so caught up in trying to be what the world wants us to be rather than being spiritually correct. It is hard to do. It is hard to make that stand. 
Pilate wished to release Jesus in the midst of the chaos. He wanted to, to, to let them out there, let him go on more than one occasion. Several times you heard me read there. He, he brings Jesus back out and says, okay, let, let's let him go now. But the sound of the chaos was far too loud. Pilate, though it didn't make sense, though it didn't, wasn't true, though it, it, it was against truth, got caught up in the moment and realized that, that he could jeopardize his position. He could jeopardize his status if he didn't follow the chaos of the crowd. Folks, God did not place you and I on this earth for prestige. He did not put us here to, to pursue prestige. He did not put us here to pursue power. He did not put us here to pursue the temporal and material things of this earth. He put us here to be light into the darkness. He put us here to be salt unto the earth. He put us here to be truth in the midst of the darkness, kind of like Corey's dream that he had. That we may only be one dot amongst many black ones, but it's when we stand upon the Word of God and lift up His name. He said, if we will lift up His name, He will draw all others unto Himself. It is hard to be truth in the midst of, of chaos, but that's what He's called us to do. For Pilate, his selfish ambition became more important than the, than the true feelings or instincts. He knew Jesus was innocent. He said it several times, I don't find any fault with this man. He asked Jesus, who are you? And he says, I am truth. Pilate knew it was right, what was truth. But instead, he got caught up in the prestige and the power and his position. And rather than going out and making a stand, it would have been hard. It would have been hard to make that stand. But rather than doing that, he gave in to the easy path, which was chaos. When we allow the chaos to continually reign in our lives, when we, allow, when we plug into the chaos, there are some people that just plug into all the news channels and that's all they listen to. Folks, I'm not going to shoot down any news channel or this the person or that person, but sometimes I think they're just there to stir up the chaos in your heart and mind. Just so you can't sleep. I'm not saying they're satanic, but I'm saying Satan can use a lot of different things. Sometimes we've got to just stop and pray. Where am I at? You know, it's often been said that the only thing needed for evil to prevail is good people to do nothing. And that's what happens oftentimes. Or we, we water it down. I, Jerry Garcia, the lead singer of the Grateful Dead, said that when you choose between two evils, you're still choosing an evil. Sometimes you've got to stop and go to the Lord. God, what would you have me to do? Where am I to go? How many of us have just followed everyone else in some important decision, whether it be in the church or outside church. We follow everybody else just because the, the hype was too loud all around us. The chaos was going on so much around us, we didn't stop and pray, say, God, what would you have me to do? Or we choose just not to get involved because it's just too strenuous, physically or politically or whatever it may be. Why should I get involved? It's just too hard. Folks, the closer we get to the end, the closer we come to that time when Jesus returns, and who knows, he may, he may return today. You look at the world around us, and, and I, I know every generation up to mine have said the same thing, but it just looks like it's that time. But the closer we do get to that end, the closer we get to the, 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 the time that he returns, the more difficult it's going to become to make a stand for truth. The more Satan can stir up the chaos, the harder it's going to be to make that stand. Does that mean that we should not stand? Does that mean that I shouldn't proclaim the gospel anyway? 
Does that mean I should just sit back and, and, and say, well, that's God's job? Or should I step up and say, I am an emissary of the Lord? What would you have me to do? And lastly, let me say this. In the midst of chaos, we can see that it's hard to make a stand for truth. We can see it's hard to receive truth. We can see that religiosity and traditions and all these things tend to become prominent rather than the Word of God in the midst of the chaos. In the midst of chaos are all these issues. But let me say this. Also in the midst of chaos, my God still is in control. In the midst of the chaos that may be coming through our political system, in the terrorist system, in our society, in the European society, wherever it may be, in the midst of everything that transpires on this world, my God is still in control. Jesus tells Pilate, he looks at him, and he says, you would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. You have nothing. Pilate says, don't you realize I have the power to let you go? Or I have the power to have you crucified. Give me something to work with here. I know that you're not guilty and I want to set you free. But Jesus says, you would have no power at all if it wasn't for what my God has given you. Therefore, I don't submit to you. I submit to him and you'll do what he tells you to do. Hallelujah. Rather than allow the chaos to beat us up and tear us up and get us to where we're crying and beaten down, rather than allowing confusion to ruin our day, we need to just stop. And when the, when the world looks like it's just all going to heck in a handbasket, stop and say, but thank God I'm not of this world, I'm of yours, God. In the midst of all the chaos, Satan does not win when I stop and realize it's not about the IRS, it's not about the bill collectors, it's not about about the political system, it's not about the government system. I'm not saying we should hide from all these things. What I'm saying is I'm going to submit to the Lord and He'll give power where power is given. Lord, what would you have me to do? I don't want to follow everyone else. I don't want to get stuck in the... Traditions. I don't want to get stuck in the religiosity. I don't want to get stuck in, in, in the vain repetitions. I don't want to get stuck in all the things that lead to chaos. I don't want to, to not hear truth because these little groups are yelling so loud. I want to be what you've called me to be here, Lord, and I'm going to be this because of who you are. If every Christian would stand in the midst of the chaos and receive the truth from the Lord, this world would change. This world would change. His dominion, my Lord's dominion, is from eternity to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting, from generation to generation. Every people group, every land, this earth is but a footstool to Him. Everything that transpires on this earth is God-filtered. Nothing happens unless God so allows it. When I remember that, I don't have to say, oh, poor me. I might have to get on my knees and say, Lord, what would you have me to do in the midst of this one? But I can always go to sleep at night knowing my God's in control. My God's on the throne. My God's still where he says he's going to be. Even when everything around us seems to be falling down, there's going to be a way through it because my God's there. This morning, folks, we need to remember That God is in control. And no matter how bad the chaos may be, God is right there. And he's not going to put us through more of the chaos than what he knows we can endure. In this story right here, when he looked at his, his son, God the Father 
took the sins of the world, your sin, my sin, every bit of the sin of the world, and he laid it on Jesus. Why? Because he knew that Jesus could endure it. He knew he could follow through. He knew his son could handle it. The question is this. God trusted Jesus. Do we? No matter how bad the political scheme in this country may seem, do you trust Jesus? No matter how bad the society may be turning in your view, do you trust Jesus? No matter how bad the world is going up in flames, do you trust Jesus? God the Father did, and I say so should we. Rather than get caught up in the chaos and allowing it to bring us down, let's listen for that still small voice. God wasn't in the earthquake when he was talking to Elijah. He wasn't in the fire. God's not in the storm. He's in that still small voice that comes from seeking his face. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. Let's quit giving in to the chaos. Let's quit being a part of the chaos and get back to letting the Spirit work in our lives so that we can get it down on our knees and say, thank you, Jesus, you're still in control. Now, you can't do that this morning if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't trusted Christ with your life, then how in the world can you trust him with everything else around you? For the most important thing to most of us is our life. That's why the Lord says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you care about yourself today, then you need to put yourself out of your own lordship, put in the hands of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. Let him be Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he knocks at your door and wants to know you. And all you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of your grace. If you are here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we live in a, in a very tumultuous time. But folks, as we just read, a little over 2,000 years ago was a very tumultuous time. And just as Christ fulfilled the plan then, he's fulfilling the plan now. We can choose to get caught up with the religiosity or the political system as Pilate did, and choose to be part of the chaos, or we can be a part of Christ who said, you have no power but what my Father gives you. Therefore, I choose to stand on truth. Those who stand on truth, you go to bed and sleep easier at night. You're able to go to bed and realize, I don't have to sit and pick apart somebody's convention or this, that, and the other. All I got to do is say, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? What would you have me to say? Where would you have me to evangelize? Where would you have me to vote? Where would you have me to preach the gospel? What do you want me to do, Lord, so I can sleep at night? It's hard to be that lip of truth in the chaos, but you can do it through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. 
if you don't know Christ Jesus, then you don't have that power strengthening you. And it's going to be incredibly difficult to live the way you know you should. Pilate, he knew what was right, but he didn't have the strength of the Lord's strength putting in him, and he gave over to the chaos. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you're going to fall into the chaos, if you're not already. If you do know him this morning, I acknowledge and so does he, it's hard to be that voice crying out in the wilderness. But will you call him, ask him to give you the strength to do so today? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Where are you at the Lord this morning? Do you know him or not? And if you do, have you allowed the chaos to tear apart your witness? Today's a new day. You can make a decision right now. I'm not going to be part of the crowd that hollered crucify him. I'm not going to be a part of the crowd that does not make sense. I'm not going to be of the establishment that makes a stand based on what the world says. I'm going to be a part of Christ who said that all power comes through Jesus. Will you make that decision today? Father God, I just come before you and lift this message up to you and I pray that in this chaotic world in which we live, the turmoil that's going on around us, I pray that you will give us the strength and the power and the grace to be a light back into the world. Help us, Lord God, to see through the chaos. That whether it's our jobs that the Satan has infiltrated, whether it's, it's our political system, even our social system, Satan is getting his hand in and twisting and causing confusion. In our Sunday school class today, Lord, you, you spoke to us about how, the, how marriages and such are, are, people are so confused because of what the world has said and done. God, I pray for clarity again. Give each one of us clarity on where to stand and how to stand. So that when the world sees us, they don't see religiosity. They don't see that we're stuck in our traditions. They see that we are a part of a living and vibrant God. God, I pray your will to be done in the hearts of your people. May you touch the hearts of your people today. And may they choose life rather than death. God, it's your will that needs to be made manifest here. May each one of us choose it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go into this time of invitation, if God's speaking to you, this altar's open, or I can pray with you, or you can pray right where you're at. If you don't know the Lord, that's first and foremost. You need to get your heart right with God. If you have surrendered your heart to Him and He is Lord over your life, praise God. But are you allowing chaos to tear you down? Are you getting caught up in the worldly things? Are you ready to make a stand for Jesus? As we sing, guys.